0: Old Salem Shops by Eleanor Putnam, Coffee Break Collection 22, Days Gone By. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anita Sloma Martinez. Old Salem Shops i wonder how many people have memories as vivid as mine of the quaint shops which a score of years ago stood placidly along the quiet streets of salem in the salem of today, there are few innovations not many modern buildings have replaced the time-honored landmarks yet twenty years ago salem in certain aspects was far more like an old colonial town than it is now when the proprietor of an old shop died it was seldom that a new master entered nobody new ever came to salem and everybody then living there had already his legitimate occupation the old shops lacking tenants went to sleep their green shutters were closed and they laid up in ordinary without comment from any one i remember one shop of the variety known in salem as button stores it was kept by two quaint old sisters whose family name i never knew we always called them miss martha and miss sibyl miss martha was the older and sported a magnificent turban of wonderful construction miss sibyl wore caps and little wintry curls both had short-waisted gowns much shirred toward the belts and odd little housewives of green leather which hung from their apron bindings by green ribbons their wares were few and faded they had a sparse collection of crewels old-fashioned laces little crimped cakes of white wax and emery balls in futile imitation of strawberries they sold handkerchiefs antiquated gauze and brocaded ribbons and did embroidery stamping for ladies with much care and deliberation i remember being once sent to take to these ladies an article which was to be stamped with a single letter miss martha consulted at some length with her sister and then with an air of gentle importance said to me tell your mother dear that sister sybil will have it ready in one week certainly on another occasion miss sybil had chanced to give me a penny too much in change discovering which before i was well away i returned to the shop and told her of the mistake miss sibyl dropped the penny into the little till so slender were the means of these old gentlewomen that i believe even a penny was of importance to them and in her gentle voice she asked what is your name dear and when i told her she replied approvingly well you are an honest child and you may go home and tell your mother that miss sibyl said so to this commendation she added the gift of a bit of pink gauze ribbon brocaded with little yellow and lavender leaves and i returned to my family in a condition of such conscious virtue that i am convinced that i must have been quite insufferable for some days following the only article in which these ladies dealt which specially concerned us children was a sort of gay-colored beads such as were used in making bags and reticules that fine old bead embroidery which some people show nowadays as the work of their great-grandmothers these beads were highly valued by salem children and were sold for a penny a thimbleful they were measured out in a small mustard spoon of yellow wood and it took three ladlefuls to fill the thimble i cannot forget the air of placid and judicial gravity with which dear miss martha measured out a cent's worth of beads one winter day miss Sybil died the green shutters of the shop were bowed with black ribbons and a bit of rusty black crape fluttered from the knob of the half-glass door inside of which the curtains were drawn as for a sunday for a whole week the shop was decorously closed. When it was reopened, only Miss Martha, a little older and grayer and more gently serious, stood behind the scantily filled showcase. My mother went in with me that day and bought some laces. Miss Martha folded each piece about a card and secured the ends with pins, after her usual careful fashion, and made out the quaint little receipted bill with which she always insisted on furnishing customers as she handed the parcel across the counter she answered a look in my mother's eyes i did not think she would go first she said simply sybil was very young to die in the following autumn came miss martha's turn to go then the shutters were closed forever nobody took the store the winter snows drifted unchecked into the narrow doorway, and the bit of black crape affixed to the latch by friendly hands waved forlornly in the chilly winds and shivered in the air- a thing to affect a child weirdly and to be hastened past with the creepy sensation in the uncertain grayness of a winter twilight. Another well-remembered Salem shop was a little establishment of a certain Mrs. Birmingham this store was really a more joyous and favorite resort for children than the aristocratic precincts of miss martha and miss sibyl one reason for this was that while two gentler souls never lived these ladies belonged to a generation when children were kept in their places and were to be seen and not heard this fact flavored their kindly treatment of young people and we felt it then too save for the beads their wares were not attractive to little folk and lastly there was a constraint in the prim neatness the mystic half-perceived odor of some old indian perfume and the general air of decayed gentility that hung about the shop of the two old gentlewomen which pertained not at all to the thoroughly vulgar but alluring domain of mrs birmingham this shop was not on essex street the street of shops but upon a quiet byway devoted to respectable dwelling-houses and for this reason we were free to visit mrs birmingham's whenever we chose it was a tiny house and i believe it had beside it a very shabby and seedy garden there were two windows with green wooden shutters and a green door with the upper half of glass this was once the fashionable manner of stores in salem inside the door was a step down which one always fell incontinently for even if one remembered its existence it was so narrow and the door closed on its spring so suddenly behind one that there was no choice but to fall the very name of birmingham brings up the curious odor of that shop. there was above all a close and musty and attic-like perfume mingling with this were a perception of cellar mold a hint of cheese a dash of tobacco and cabbage a scent of camphor, a suspicion of snuff, and a strong undercurrent of warm black gowns scorched by being too near an airtight stove. Mrs. Birmingham's stock equalled buttercups in variety. Along the floor in front of the left hand counter was always a row of lusty green cabbages and a basket of apples. A small glass showcase held bread and buns and brick shaped sheets of livid gingerbread. If one came to buy milk, Mrs. Birmingham dipped it from a never empty pan on the right hand counter, wherein sundry hapless flies went, like Ophelia, to a moist death. Then there were ribbons and cotton laces, needles, pins, perfumed soaps, and pomatums there were a few jars of red and white peppermint and cinnamon sticks a box of pink corn-cake which mrs birmingham conscientiously refused to sell to children for fear the coloring matter might be poisonous and in season and out on a line above the right-hand counter hung a row of those dismal creations the valentines known as comic all these articles though shabby and shop-worn enough probably possessed for us children a species of fascination there was a glamour in the very smell before referred to and the height of our worldly ambition was to have a shop just like mrs birmingham's the things for which we sought mrs birmingham's were however chiefly of two sorts the first was a kind of small jointed wooden doll about three inches high in the face these generally looked like mrs birmingham and they had little red boots painted on their stubby feet these ugly little puppets cost a cent apiece and were much prized as servant dolls nurses particularly because their arms would crook and they could be made to hold baby dolls in a rigid but highly satisfactory manner this flexibility of limb had also by the by its unpleasant side for my brother tom had a vicious habit if ever the baby-house were left unguarded of bending the doll's joints and leaving the poor little manikins in all manner of ungainly and indecorous attitudes another thing which could be bought for one cent the limit of our purses when we went shopping and it required six or seven of us to spend this sum was a string of curious little beads made of red sealing-wax they were somehow moulded on the string while warm and could not be slipped off we really did not like them very well yet we were always buying them and despite our experience trying to slip them from the string there was a bell fastened to the top of mrs birmingham's shop door which jangled as one precipitately entered and summoned mrs birmingham from an inner room mrs birmingham was a stout irish woman with black eyes fat hands and a remarkably fiery nose she wore a rusty black gown the same probably which was always scorching before the stove in the back room and a false front dark as the raven's wing i believe she must have worn some sort of cap because without recalling just where she had them i never think of her without a distinct impression of dark purple ribbons she was by no means an amiable woman and in serving us she had a way of casting our pennies contemptuously into the till which was humiliating in the extreme she had likewise a habit of never believing that we had a commission right and persisted in sending us home to make sure that we were sent for a ten and not a five-cent loaf or for one and not two dozen of eggs this was painful and crushing to our pride but the bravest never rebelled against mrs birmingham my brother used indeed to lurk around the corner a few minutes and then return to the shop without having gone home but i always feared mrs birmingham's sharp black eyes and felt that a desire would certainly comfort tom when all would be discovered in addition to the shop mrs birmingham conducted an intelligence office in the back room i never saw one of the girls nor knew of any persons going to mrs birmingham to seek intelligence but sometimes we heard laughter and very often mrs birmingham's deep bass voice exclaimed mike be off with your joking now let alone tellin' stories to the girls mike was mr birmingham a one-legged man whom i never saw we knew that he was one-legged because Tom had seen him, and we secretly believed this to be the reason of Mrs. Birmingham's dressing in mourning. We children had asked and been told the nature and purpose of an intelligence office, and yet there was ever a sort of uncanny mystery about that back room where unseen girls laughed, and Mr. Birmingham was always being told to be off with his jolkin. But tempora mutantur. Alas for Mike he is off with all joking now for good alas too for mrs birmingham i cannot believe that she died she was so invincible but she is gone the rusty black gown the purple ribbons and the ruddy nose have passed somewhere into the shadows of oblivion one more shop there was in which at a certain season the souls of the children rejoiced it was not much of a shop at ordinary times indeed it was but a small and unnoticeable building just around a corner of essex street it was only at holiday time that it blossomed out of insignificance this was before the days of any extent of holiday decoration and very little in the way of christmas trimming was done by salem tradesmen the season was celebrated with decorous merriment in our homes but almost no church adornment was seen and most of the shops relaxed not from their customary salem air of eminent and grave respectability no butcher sent home a spray of holly with the goose and no christmas cards dropped as now from the packages of baker or candlestick maker it was therefore the more delightful to witness the annual transformation of the little shop around the essex street corner the very heart and soul of christmastide must have dwelt in the plump body of the man who kept that shop his wooden awning was converted into a perfect arbour under which the front of his little store showed as an enchanted cavern of untold beauty a bower of lusty greenery aglow at night with the starry brilliance of many candles gay with the scarlet berries of holly set off by the mystic mistletoe and rich with the laden treasures of sugary birds and beasts ropes of snowy popped corn bewildering braids twists and baskets of pink and white sugar golden oranges a rarer fruit then than now white grapes in luscious clusters and bunches of those lovely cherries of clear red barley candy with yellow broom corn for stems after all though it was not so much that the wares were more delightful than those kept by other folk probably the very same things could have been bought at any fruit store it was simply that this tiny shop and its plump red-cheeked owner were overflowing with the subtle and joyous spirit of keeping holiday We children used always to call his place the Christmas shop, and I well remember the thrill of joy which ran over me when, returning from school one afternoon, I saw my own parents entering the jovial precincts. I sped home on winged feet to tell the other children that mother and father were in the Christmas shop, and we all sat about the fire in the twilight and guessed what they were buying, and reveled in the dear delights which were to result from a visit to that treasure house where is he now that childlike man who loved the holidays the merry wight was twenty years before his time but it warms one's heart to think of him to-day alas a visit to salem last year showed his wooden awning torn away and in his dismantled bower a dry and wizened stationer among log-books and schoolroom furnishings what a direful change from the hassian days of old i wonder that the chubby ghost of the former owner does not walk a nights to bemoan the times that are no more the shop of miss martha and miss sibyl too seemed to be entirely done away with and mrs birmingham's although still standing was but a wreck i would gladly have bought there for old times sake a jointed doll or a string of sealing wax beads but the green wooden shutters were closed the green door sunken sadly on its hinges Its glass half grossly boarded. The grass grew high before the door stone. The mossy roof was concave. The chimney was almost tottering. The little shop was drawing itself together and dying, asking no sympathy of the beholder, but meeting its appointed fate with that gray and silent resignation which alone is considered the proper thing in Salem society. End of Old Salem Shops